This is episode 482 of the Locked On Rangers podcast. I'm here today joined by a very, very special guest that I'm very excited about. Zach Kent, Rangers minor leaguer, ended the season in AA Frisco, started at high A Hickory, had a great breakout season. I'm joined with Zach to talk all things baseball, how he broke out this season, what he did during the pandemic, um, whether he'd rather fight a certain amount of turkey-sized horses or horses-sized turkeys, all kinds of great stuff. He was very kind and gracious with his time, very thankful to have him on the show, um, lots of great stuff. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me to get in on the action. So lots of fun stuff to talk about with him. The very first baseball player, professional baseball player that I've had on the Locked On Rangers podcast. Very excited to talk with him and for y'all to learn a little bit more about him. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And here we are with our special guest, the first Rangers player, Rangers prospect, any kind of real baseball player to join the show is Zach Kent, a guy who the Rangers drafted in the ninth round out of the Virginia Military Institute in 2019, coming off his absolute breakout season here in the offseason. How you doing, Zach? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you on the show. For those of you who don't know Zach Kent, um, this is a name that you need to know. You absolutely need to know. He had a great season in now high A Hickory. It, it always confuses me because Down East used to be high A, and then they swapped, and then all kinds of nonsense happened. But in Hickory, started the season out of the pen, but ended up in the starting rotation, finished the year with 60 and a third inning, struck out 78, only walked 15 with a 283 ERA. Now, this has been great, and it's the offseason for you after your first full season. You played a little bit in 2019 um, in the short season and a little bit of rookie ball, and then obviously 2020 happened and there was no minor league season. So how are you feeling after your first full season of minor league baseball? I feel I feel pretty good after my first full season. Um, learned a lot, but honestly, I feel like I left a little bit on the table uh, towards the end, but um, – Hopefully, I can I can nail out the the stuff in the off season and pick up where I left off. Yeah, uh, definitely a big breakout season for you. Um, you started the season out of the bullpen in Hickory. There were a lot of really talented starting pitchers there, and uh, Hickory pitching coach Jordan Teagues even said they viewed you as a starter, um, but they just didn't have enough room in the rotation at the start. Do you think that helped you at all? And uh, if so, how to fuel your breakout season? Yeah, absolutely. I think it. I think it definitely helped. Uh, in the beginning of the year in spring training, I didn't have the best spring training. I kind of came in and I was feeling really good and I liked where my stuff was at. But uh, when I got out there, I just I didn't have I didn't have command of my stuff and I was kind of leaving everything get hit around. So I was real worried that I wasn't gonna be able to uh, break as a starter. And you know they came up to me and they said, Hey, you know we're gonna you're still a starter in our eyes. We just want you to throw out the pin and bridge the first couple of weeks. And then after the first few weeks of the season, we'll kind of set our rotation. And uh, he said, you know, there's a spot to earn. Go out there and get it. And uh, I said, all right. And I was I was pretty mad and upset, you know, because I mainly let myself down because I didn't play it at my potential that I thought I could. 
Um, but once I did that, uh, it kind of gave me that fire in me uh, that was like, hey, you know, this is a challenge. They're challenging you to go win a job, so go win one. And, uh, you know, the numbers speak for itself as out of the pen. Uh, I didn't get hit much. I didn't give up any runs, and I was having a lot of fun. And uh, then Ronnie Henriquez went up, and they are like, hey, George, you earned it. Go get it. And then I kind of – I kind of said, this is mine now. No one's taking it from me. Yeah, you absolutely were not going to let anyone take it from you with the number that you were putting up. And um, you did you did do a little bit of work out of the bullpen your uh, first year at VMI. Um, I was that – I mean, you started uh, nine games of the 20 um, your first year there. You did end up pitching in nearly 51 innings. Uh, is that something you feel comfortable with? Not that you're not a starter, but like – especially with the way the playoffs has been going and, you know, it feels like every single starter is going four innings. Is that uh, something you feel like is necessary for, you know, any pitching prospect some somewhat these days? Um, I would say if you don't know who you are as a pitcher, the bullpen is a great place to find yourself. Um, you can, you can kind of test things out and see what works for you. And I think that's where I found a little bit of myself or found myself as a pitcher was definitely in the bullpen because um, I was I was throwing more breaking stuff than I was fastballs and you know I could go and I you know I really didn't have a game plan going into the game where I could go out and straight attack where in college I was kind of it was kind of fresh to me like I've never thrown out of the bullpen before other than like maybe a travel ball game or something like that but I never really was a bullpen guy because I was starting midweeks and then come on the weekends and I was just really getting used and I was kind of let's see what works best for him. You know, he's 18 year old and he had, you know, I went to a very small high school, so I didn't have much experience. I didn't have much, I would say, talent at the time. I was like 84, 85. So it was just, I was kind of the, you know, I kind of ate innings when they needed to and then started the midweek games. Um, but there's just older seniors that are in front of me. Josh Winder uh, was in front of me. He was the Friday guy my freshman year. Um, and he got drafted in the seventh round to the Twins and he's on the verge of uh, getting to the big leagues with them. He played the Futures game. So he has a lot of talent, and that was a guy I kind of watched. But I would say definitely, if, you know, for a younger guy, being in the pen, it's not, it's not the end all. You know, you're still going to you're going to get your opportunities when the time comes. And uh, for me, I found it as a place to really figure out who I am as a pitcher and test and try stuff. And then, all right, this this is what works for me. Let me make that as a starter and just progress from there. Yeah, you definitely have a unique uh, skill set, a unique repertoire you have a uh fastball that runs uh 92 to 96 touches 98 when you need it to uh, a slider that is the stuff of legends uh curveball and uh, a change up as well and it seems like you know i mean i feel like as someone who has not seen you pitch saying that what i think is your best pitch from afar is uh kind of silly but it seems like the slider is your best pitch and a lot of that it, a lot of your stuff is working off of that have you have you kind of watched some of these um, guys like, I don't know, Lance McCullers is, is kind of the main one that comes to mind of guys who, you know, kind of work off their off speed or their breaking stuff um, a little bit more than their fastball and kind of use that as a complementary piece and uh, kind of change the way traditional pitching has worked. Is that something that you think works for you? Is that something that you've tried to do intentionally or um, is that, am I, am I off base here? Yeah, no, I, I would say you're, you're right around there because um I know in the beginning of the year when I started my first start, I was like, hey, let's establish a fastball. And I looked up and I was out of the game and an inning and two thirds and seven runs. And I was like, what just happened? And uh, I kind of went to the video room. And I was like, I threw like probably 40 pitches and I probably threw 
30 fastballs. And I was like, this is not me. Like in the pen, I was coming out ripping sliders. I wasn't getting hit. I was like, let's go back to that. And, and that's what, you know, that was the work for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you watch baseball now, you see at least the, the best of the best starters, I would say. You watch them and they're not really throwing their fastball as much as you would think nowadays, they're around 50% fastballs. So if you, you know, and hitters, they can adjust the stuff hitting straight, coming straight, don't matter how hard it is. If it's straight, they'll find a way to hit it and hit it far. So I kind of learned that early uh, in, the, uh, in the pen in my first few starts. And then I knew what my slider was and I just had to be able to use it. So I kind of, I've kind of explained to people how I use my fastball. It's kind of like a change up to my slider. So it's like, all right, you're seeing 88, 89 on our slider, 87. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's 95. Like it, it kind of, I kind of use that in like a two strike count more than anything where I go up with it or maybe, you know, as a first pitcher, you're, I see you swinging at my slider, my change up a little, you're getting a little too comfortable with it. Here's my fastball, you know, just to see something straight, a little harder. So that's kind of how I use it now. But, you know, you see it in the big leagues, especially out of a reliever. A reliever comes in, if they're not throwing 100, they're not really going to be throwing much else than a breaking ball. So that's yeah. kind of the way the game's kind of going forward. That's exciting. It's definitely a, a revolutionary way to pitch, and it, it's worked out very well for you so far. I mean, if you got the the fastball using as your changeup, then what is your change? Is your changeup like a double changeup, like a river, you're playing reverse <laughs> mind games with hitters? Kind of. It's, it's, my changeup is more something to go into righties and away from lefties because uh, I have the fastball um, kind of has a little bit of a late kind of cutting life to it. And then the slider kind of goes away as well. And it's all pretty hard. So the changeup's in there just to have something a little off off speed that also can move away from a lefty and into a righty. So I can induce ground balls and swing and misses and just weak contact when I need to. But I, I kind of just use that the same way as I would use the fastball, if I needed to speed him up, I could slow him down with the changeup. This episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Rangers once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every single day. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You have a chance to be chat with me. may even have a chance to be featured on the sh- on the Locked On Rangers podcast through our Green Room conversations. So go download the Green Room app now. Currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Bryce Patrick to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Rangers. See you there, Green Room. Changing the way we talk about sports. Well, it's definitely a, a unique way to pitch, and uh, I'm glad it's working out for you. It's You definitely Thanks. broke onto the scene this year. Um, coming out to, you know, at the beginning of the season, you were not on any prospect list, not even Jamie nope. Newberg's <laughs> top 72, and uh, most recently of the updated prospect prospect list, um, you were on, on Jamie Newberg's top 72 at number 44, um, but not on the pipeline. And full disclosure, my apologies for not putting you on my top 20 prospect rankings of the preseason that will most definitely change next year. Um, but, um, do, how much do you pay attention to those rankings if at all? Um, and does that kind of feel you like, Hey, these guys don't know who I am, but they're going to know who I am after this season. Yeah. Uh, I don't pay attention to it too much, but you know, the big ones like, uh, MLB pipeline, baseball, America and stuff like that, you know, you're aware of it and you follow it and, you know, you got friends that play 
and you know they're the top 30 prospects and whatnot um but it's not it's not something where it's like hey i'm gonna get on this list it's like i know what i'm capable of doing i'm gonna take it each day and i know how good and how great that i can be as a pitcher and i know that you know as you go up in the levels more and more people are going to watch you you're under the microscope people come to your game so i've been just gonna i kind of let my talent and my hard work kind of speak for itself and hopefully on the field i can put it all together and uh the people that write those things and see that stuff will be like, wow, you know, where'd this kid come from? It's, it ends up being a good story, I'd guess, from now. Yeah, it's nice to, you know, kind of burst onto the scene like you did. Um, definitely not a, a an under-the-radar prospect. You are on the radar officially now. Um, but it didn't start that way. I mean, not a whole lot of ninth-round picks immediately off the books. Like, all right, this is a guy to, to look out for. And, you know, elevation in a, a – very hitter friendly stadium definitely skewed some of your college numbers. But speaking of that college, it was definitely an interesting experience. The Virginia military Institute, for those of you who don't know about it, um, definitely a very uh, interesting and unique stadium to say the least. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that stadium is like and what was like what you learned pitching in a, a place like that? Yeah. So at VMI, the ballpark is small, launch pad to the left dead center is 380 something and left fields like 295 with a tall fence and they call it 315 and um you learn quick that if there's a big right-hander up there he's going to try to hit one as far as he can over the mountain you know up onto the mountain up there and uh so you, you see you see guys have a lot of big swings um when they come to us so i was i just learned quickly how to take advantage of someone who's trying to take big swings and to be able to minimize them and keep them off balance. Uh, I learned that there and also try to how to how to pitch above the zone. I kind of learned a little bit there and I've been using it more in pro ball. Um, but if you can make it, if you can expand the zone up, you'll probably get those, you get the fly balls or swing and misses. But if you pitch down there, good luck. You know, you have to have some good sinkers. You have to have a good sinker, really good changeup. But if you're going to go down, you better miss down because if you leave it around that middle V high is going a long way. <laughs> yeah. It sounds almost kind of like Fenway and, you know, uh, the, the big yeah, league park is, is definitely not as, as a uh, hitter friendly as it once was. There is no longer a jet stream. It's no longer open air. It's definitely one of the more uh, pitcher friendly parks and using that high fastball that seems to be, um, and taking advantage of guys with big swings, that seems to be something that, uh, you know, it's very important in today's game because, you know, there are a lot of guys, you know, focused more on, on launch angle and home runs. Is that something that you kind of thought about when you were pitching in college? Like, okay, this is going to translate, you know, to the big league game with how the big league game is transitioning. Or was that just kind of like, it just kind of worked out as a kind of happy happenstance? No, I kind of had, you know, this is my task of the day. I have to, I, you know, I know which guys are going to hurt me in the lineup. You get a scout for it. All right. Most of the time in college, three through five, one of those guys would probably have a good amount of pop and just like, all right, these are the guys I need to focus on. I can go strike out the other guys, no problem. Let me focus on these. That's kind of where I was at in college. I was like, all right, this is my task today. I make sure these three through five don't touch me and I'll go get my strikeouts the rest of the, you know, in the rest of the lineup. This episode is also brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. 
head to our new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. This episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. And, you know, I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats, you know, plenty of them. But, you know, maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Not that there's a bad time for Built Bars, but this is the absolute perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. And that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 cal- calories, also 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Place coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. They're low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, high-end protein. They're also covered in 100% real chocolate, which not all pies are. So if you like chocolate, then maybe this is the right thing for you. It's a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried Built Bar yet. Aunt Betty, c- come on. you got to try Built Bar. you got to. they have got new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check the site often. There is nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Mainly Built Bar related, but you know, there may, may be some other surprises. You don't know until you go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Also, thank you for making Locked On Rangers your first listen of the day. And without further ado, let's get back to my talk with Zach Kent, the Rangers pitching prospect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but another guy who was at uh, VMI, I, I think he was a little bit before your time, but Reed Garrett, I know you've yeah. talked a lot with him. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned from a former Rangers prospect, a guy who I really liked watching and uh, has made the big leagues with, uh, I believe, Detroit, was it? He was yeah. real yeah, five he, pick? Yeah, he made it with, yeah, made it with Detroit. Um just talking with Reed is it's been great um, because he kind of he kind of got to me before I kind of was really in the Rangers organization where I I, I met the, you know some people in the front office and uh, the coaches and whatnot. All I knew were the, the people that were at Spokane and the people that kind of came through. And I didn't go to um, I didn't go to Instructs my first year. I didn't go to any camps really. So when I when I came home, he was also from the Richmond area, and I I told him I said or he contacted me. He was like, hey, you want to work out, get together throw whatnot i was like absolutely like dude you're a big leader i know who you are you're a legend at vmi like i'm taking advantage of this opportunity so every day we would throw and work out and he you know i kind of just watched what he did and how he he, how he um took care of his business and then kind of modeled that of my own and then he kind of taught me about um just like how to pitch as you go up you know because at the time i was only 88 to 91 so i wasn't throwing hard I had to really rely on my stuff and throwing strikes. And he was helping me with that. And I was like, hey, I want to throw harder, by the way. Like, I know you threw 88-91, and you throw almost 100 now. I was like, you got to help me get there. So he was also working with me with that, with using more of my body, getting the most out of out of my physique because I'm a 6'3". At the time, I was a 210-pound right-handed pitcher throwing 88-91. to He was like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I should be throwing harder, pretty athletic. So he, he helped me get the most of my uh, body and show up spring training. 
and I was throwing harder and then COVID hit and then it was just the process from there. But Reed's been great with uh, helping me with the more, more so the mental side of the game, seeing it from a, you know, a true pros perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about what, when COVID hit, um, what was that like for you? I, I know you moved down to, uh, I believe Nashville and worked out with some guys. What was 2020 like for you? I mean, it's hard for everybody, but especially for, for minor leaguers and a guy who um, I know we, you talked a little bit about, you know, Reed Garrett saying like, Hey, the first season, like that's when you've got to like put yourself on the radar and that's so yeah. important. And um, coming off of, of a season where you feel like you did that going in and there's no minor league season. What was that like for you? For me, it was it was heartbreaking for me because I put so much work in, so much hard work, and trying to change myself as a pitcher. So when I showed up, they really understand that he's not the pitcher that we drafted. He's something better, or in a good way, or he looks better in a good way. And I only had two outings where I threw, and I threw it really well, throwing a little harder, but not enough eyes were on me at the time to really, you know, solidify that hey, he's actually changed. It was like, you know, it must be, you know, could be anything. So I was I was really heartbroken about it because I, I put so much hard work effort in to really change myself in four months, and um, and I did. I was throwing harder, throwing a lot of strikes, the breaking ball was there, and you know they say we're going home, and I was like, you know now what? So I kind of hung out at my in my hometown for a few months, about around July, and then I said, uh, uh, I was like I'm going to Nashville. I'm gonna go there and be there with a, uh, my girlfriend at the time. I was I was there with her, and um, and uh, they had some guys working out the, at the Sounds Stadium, and, I, and then they were playing pickup games. I was like, I'll go over there. I go over there, and I'm pitching against guys who played in Double A, Triple A, a few former big leaguers, um, some Low A guys, and they're like, Who are you, dude? And I was like, I was like, I'm just, I'm from VMI. I'm, I was in short season. Like, you're in short season. I was like, Yeah, this is my first year. He's like, Dude, you're gonna just keep doing what you're doing and throw strikes. You're gonna be fine. So they kind of helped me build my confidence and. Talking to them, picking their brains really helped me prepare myself for, you know, my first full season. Because um, I felt like when I when I stepped into uh, Hickory, I really felt like I was prepared. Like, these hitters aren't any different than the guys that I've been facing. And I probably faced better hitters, you know, during that – in Nashville with the guys from Vanderbilt being around and just guys that moved to the Nashville area. And I was like, I feel really good. I had the confidence that I needed to. And I just – once, you know, once that hit, it was it was go. Yeah, absolutely. So you're in Nashville around some some Vanderbilt guys. Was one of those guys Jack Leiter? Was he not there at the time? No, no. He, I think he was there, but uh, we didn't have any interaction with the people that were at Vanderbilt because I think that campus was closed at the time. But right. yeah, uh, no communication with Jack Leiter before he got drafted. Well, uh, who were some of those guys that uh, that made an impact on you uh, in Nashville? Um, were they some Rangers prospects or just? guys that were kind of in Nashville, was it kind of like a, you know, smorgasbord of just guys from all around baseball, just trying to find somewhere to, to get better. Yeah. A little, a little bit of everything. Um, Justin Wilson, he's a right-handed pitcher in the Yankees organization. Um, me and him got really close and, you know, we were just working out together and throwing and just being around a guy who he also knows a lot about mechanics because he throws around a hundred miles an hour too. So being around him, um, was really – I got to see how his body moved and how he kind of used his stuff and then kind of tinkered it to myself and tried it out. You know, in, in those games, there's no stats. You know, we're just out there having fun. So I would try different stuff. I'd, I'd throw 15 breaking balls in a row, see how many I could throw for strikes. 
or you know one guy's working on he, he wants to work on change up like, my change ups are right let's see and i throw 15 change ups in a row and see how it worked so you know you just test things out but being around those i mean mo- most of the time like will toffee and rhett um uh, uh what's his last name wiseman rhett wiseman being around those guys they've seen a lot of baseball um they played in the minor leagues for three four years at that time and so just talking to them how do, how do they see hitters how do they attack a pitcher um just kind of picking their brain you know we just sit around wasting a lot of time during covid yeah uh, so was literally everybody what is some yeah. fun you know hobby or tv show or just something you picked up during covid when you had all that free time i did a lot of turkey hunting in the, in the early spring part i did a lot of that and then when i was in nashville it was more i was uh helping some kids um doing like a velocity camp or mechanic camp and stuff pitching camp just stuff like that just to pass time make a few bucks on the side well that's sure, certainly fun and uh making a few bucks on the side is is the minor league way is is that's what <laughs> yeah. life appears to be for minor leaguers and um on that subject major league baseball very recently posted or is is on the works i'm not not sure the exact verbiage but they are going to require all teams to house minor leaguers in the year 2022. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you think it'll impact you? I think it'll be great. Um, uh, just cause you know, the grind, you're not making a, you're not making a whole lot. And if you got to have rent and, and especially in the Hickory area, there's not a lot of like apartments to really rent out. Um, and Frisco, obviously there's, it's completely different, but it's a higher, you know, it costs a little more to live in the Frisco area. I think it'd be great for guys to be, yeah, I think it would be great for guys just to be able to put um, some money behind. So when the off season hits, they can actually focus on the baseball and do what they want, you know, do what they love, which is training and growing as a player. Um, I know for me, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, get drafted and get a good amount of money to, so in the off season, I didn't, if I needed to get a job, I could, but I didn't have, I didn't need to right away. So I was able to really focus on myself my first couple of years. Um, but I mean, I think this will be really like, it'd be a game changer for guys that were drafted later, didn't get a lot of money, your senior signs where they don't have to worry about losing a thousand bucks a month to rent. So yeah, absolutely. And, and finding a place like you get the, get the news and okay, well, I got to go find a place in like a day or whatever. And there's not a whole lot of, (laughs) yeah, we definitely did that and we were scrambling around, but we found a place. So. Tough. Well, that's good and uh frisco is is most definitely in an affluent area but it is your uh i believe your first time living in the state of texas what was that experience like just being in texas kind of seeing like okay like now you kind of get a sense of like all right this is what you know the big league area is going to be like once i get there like what were your first thoughts on on the uh dallas fort worth area as we call it yeah well yeah i come from a small town country nothing but woods and farmland and water and I've been in Nashville and I knew what that was like, but the Dallas Fort Worth area and uh, all that, I mean, it was just like, it was like mind blowing of like how, how things move around there. Everything kind of moves, kind of, you know, moves a little quicker and everything is right there where you need, you, you can, you can shop, you can eat, you can, you can have a whole different experience that I've never been a part of before. And then also like the fans at Frisco were incredible. They come out to like they come out to the games and they're very interactive and they actually care and they know what they're talking about more than anything. In Hickory, sometimes you'd have some people come out that you don't have no idea what they're talking about to you. 
And you're like, you talking to me? And they're like, yeah, I'm talking to you. I was like, I have no idea what you're even talking about right now. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you know what baseball is, but you're here to drink, that's for sure. Um, so seeing the fans out there was great. Just having 8,000 fans cheering for you on a Saturday, or yeah, Saturday, Fridays that I was throwing in the beginning. I mean, it was, it was great. It was great. Yeah, being a weekend starter in Frisco is definitely is definitely one of the better parks, one of the better experiences. I mean, Rangers fans are lucky. Like minor league part, I love minor league baseball. That's kind of what I like. Found my true love of baseball is at that Frisco Park, and you know, having a minor league team that's you know such a high level and a high quality stadium, and it's also like feeding into the park that's you know, I forget what how long a drive it is from Frisco to Arlington, but um definitely nice to have that experience there and don't tell Frisco, but like 20 years ago, it pretty much was woods. It all kind of sprouted up in the last, uh, yeah. the last few years. It's wow. been one of the bigger growing towns, but it's definitely one of the more, you know, affluent places to be. Have you tried Whataburger? And if so, what are your thoughts have, or your go-to order? So I, I have tried Whataburger. I think I just got just like the regular burger. I'm not sure what it was called. I thought it was all right, but it's definitely better than In-N-Out. I'm not a big fan of In-N-Out, I will have to say. Um, but Whataburger is definitely better. But I think I have to stick to Five Guys. Like, that's that's my kind of go-to place for a cheeseburger. And when I tell my friends that live in Texas, like, dude, you just must have had the wrong one. And I was like, I don't know. Like, Five Guys anywhere <laughs> is pretty good. Five Guys is solid. And saying that Whataburger is, is better than In-N-Out, that is absolutely how you win points around the Ranger fan base. My absolutely, personal suggestion, yeah. anything on the all-time favorites menu – uh, at Whataburger, that is definitely a go-to there. Um, Hatch Green Chili Burger is my personal favorite. Um, but you know, I, as a journalist, I, I got to recognize when I am biased, and I am a little biased towards Whataburger and my Texas roots. But, you know, there are worse things yeah. to be biased towards. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you said you feel like you left a little bit on the table um, towards the back end of the season. But I, I feel like the biggest jump in minor league baseball, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like it's it's high A to double a and it feels like it keeps getting harder um there you had six starts in frisco a, a 534 era um but the strikeouts were still there um which is is impressive against some of the uh, harder hitters or higher hitters more advanced guys and you have some more career minor leaguers than you do in the high a what is something you feel like you should have improved on or you weren't quite satisfied with the level um and why things didn't go quite as well in frisco yeah just for me i kind of uh it was at that point of the year, you know, where everything's starting to wind down, your body's starting to take, your body's starting to feel a little different on day four than it used to. Um, and I think I just, I started uh, leaving pitches more middle. I was kind of throwing fastballs, trying to get up and kind of leaving it middle third. And it was just getting, I was getting hit out. I gave up nine home runs and I don't, I don't know how many innings I threw, but I gave up nine home runs. I'd say it was 30 innings that I threw. 28 and two thirds. Yeah, almost specific. 30 innings. Close enough. Yeah. So yeah, I gave up nine home runs and, and if to have a five, three ERA and nine home runs and thirty ends, I mean, you have to be pretty lucky. At, at you know, you still have to pitch pretty well. So I would say a lot of my runs were coming off the home run, and it was just it was really getting frustrating for me because I was like, I'm better than this. I don't really give up home runs. You know, I'm just I'm leaving pitches there. I need to tap into something. But it was more just lack of execution later down the stretch. My first few starts there, I pitched pretty well. And even even uh, at home, I'd have I've had four good ones and like two bad ones that I really had in Frisco, and the bad ones kind of masked the good ones, and that's what I was more frustrated about was I kind of let the bad ones um, kind of explain my my year towards the end of the year rather than putting together a bunch of good ones. So I wasn't as 
consistent as I was hoping I could be on the mound. But it was more of just leaving pitches too much on the middle of the plate. And, you know, at double A level, they're going to they're going to hit those out where I think I got a little lucky um, in uh, Hickory. But I, I didn't think the, the the change in level was too big um, where it was a giant step. Um, I think that's more because of my slider is my best pitch. So with having your best pitch as something that's breaking and moving away from the hitter, it kind of kind of it's easier than if your if your fastball is your best pitch, you know. So my fastball got hit just a just a touch harder, and it was frustrating because I gave up nine home runs in 30 innings. But you know, looking back on it, um, it's also the Texas League balls are gonna fly. You got the jet streams. You're gonna go to parks that are just you're like you're looking at it and you're like, how's this even a home run? But it's part of the game. It's it's you know it's the learning curve where where you have to be able to know your park and know how to pitch again. Where I think I got comfortable with being in Hickory and in that Sally Lee kind of area where. You know, you, you, you throw one down the middle on accident and they, they long fly it out to left field. You're like, oh, got away with that one. And then you do that in Texas and the ball flies. So I think I just need to prepare a little better and uh, take care of my body a little better towards the end of the year. I never had any – it was nothing with the arm. It was just more how my body felt towards the end. Um, that's, that's kind of thing where I'm at, where I left on the table. Like, I should have I pitched better. And uh, I owed it to myself to pitch better, but I just left some pitches to center cut. Yeah, uh, you threw 89 innings this year. It's 60 and a third of those were in uh, in Hickory. Only five home runs there. Um, but you said like you felt a little lucky uh, to only have a five ERA and giving up a home run almost every three innings. But the way you do that is you limit some of the other base, base runners. And yeah. well, the way you limit that is not having a lot of walks. And you are one of the best strikeout to walk guys. That is something that is, you've been very good at. And I'm kind of curious of how you do such a good job of that when – you know, a slider is your primary pitch. Normally that's kind of harder to control. Um, is that something that you've always been very good? Is that something it's like a Rangers, like top down kind of a focus of, all right, throwing strikes and getting, how do you do such a good job of that with a slider as your primary pitch? Yeah. Um, I would say my junior year in college is where, um, I really said, you know what? I can throw hard. I know I can throw hard, but can I, I don't throw strikes hard. So let's take it back to 85, 90% and throw strikes with my fastball. And um, so once I, you know, once you're able to get to 01 real quick in college, it's all, it's like, it's almost like they give up the AB right there. You can throw two sliders and they walk that. So I kind of figured that out. And, you know, going into pro ball, the Rangers did stress this year pretty, pretty heavily that, hey, we don't want people walking guys. Like for some reason, if you get in a 3 0 count, it's almost a 90%. The next pitch is almost a 90% strike. So the next time you throw a 3-0 pitch, it's going to be 3-1 after that. You're going to throw a strike. So it's like if, if you can throw a strike in a 3-0, you can throw a strike in 0-0, you know, 1-0, all these you, – you can throw strikes. And I've always been able to have the feel to throw strikes um, in my – in college, in my uh, pro career. But um, to answer your – like to answer the question, it was just with the with throwing the side as your first pitch, um, I just always had feel for it. And it's something that I've, I've had – Ever since I've been throwing, I, I didn't I didn't start throwing it until my freshman year in college. But once I once I found it, I could pick pitches up pretty easy and throw them for strikes pretty consistently. Um, but for some reason, that pitch, just the movement that it has and the the velocity that I throw it at, I could just for some reason throw strikes with it, and I can't really can I re- can't really can, uh, explain it too well. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some things that just you know uh, there's 
different kinds of hitters that, you know, some of them see ball, hit ball, some of them you got to think through every single thing. And I, I'm assuming pitchers the same way. Um, my baseball career was, was very short, ended after, uh, I believe, sixth grade. And um, for some reason, I was a pitcher, and I, I still have no idea how to grip a curveball or a slider. So I think that might be why I didn't quite work out. Um, my pitching career didn't go quite as far as yours. Um, but, you know, you were in a really good rotation and um, in the last – actually, both of the stops that you were at. Um, what are some of the things you've learned from those guys? And does being in a rotation full of other guys that are also just shoving every single start, does that kind of inspire you to kind of compete a little bit with them in a – friendly way like all right yeah you threw you know seven innings a shutout ball and you struck out 10 like i'm gonna go eight innings and strike out like 15 does that kind of inspire a little bit of like you know edge to kind of like sharpen each other and get better together yeah you know when you see other guys having success uh as well you're like you know i, I want to be a part of that and you want to beat them but for me i kind of focus on myself and how can i make myself better so it's more of an internal competition with myself because I have this idea of myself, of, of the picture that I am and the picture that I can be. And it's every day holding myself to that standard of, of elite picture that I want to be, that I'm striving for every day. So being around guys like Cole Wynn, like you see him, he's a he's a very uh, polished pitcher. He has four pitches in the zone. And this year, I mean, you could say that this year he also had a breakout year because he was almost unhittable from when he when he his first pitch in double he's like i'm not getting hit he never got hit and uh just watching that and talking to him and even seeing him come back from you know when he got covid he was on the, uh, the covid list or whatever he came back from that when he picked up where he left off after three weeks of pretty much not really facing him he's like all right i'm here don't forget about me and uh just talking to him for him i would say you know he loves to throw his change up i love to throw my slider so i was kind of seeing how he uses his change up and he, he might ask a little bit how you know my slider, but um, just how I kind of use it, but not too much. But seeing how he threw his changeup, that was one thing I wanted to incorporate more into my arsenal to have, uh, you know, throw four pitches all the time rather than throwing two pitches the majority of the time and then mixing in other pitches. Um, so just talking to him and learning from him at Double A was, uh, you know, I learned a good amount about how to throw a changeup and, you know, how to use it because he has a lot of success with it. Um, other guys, you know, uh, Avery Weems and uh, Haye, he was off to a tear right from the beginning. And I was just asking him how he kind of used his break and stuff, how he used his fastball, because he's a little bit different. Lefty with sink and a power uh, slider and a, a real good curveball, but he only relied on that stuff. So I was kind of asking him how he kind of used his stuff. Now, I'm, I'm more, I like to learn from everyone and then use it towards myself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just being around those guys, you know, I'm more of an internal competition person more than outside, but. You, I want people to have success around me, so it holds me to a higher standard as well. Yeah, absolutely. When other guys are doing well, that's bringing you up as well. And, um, you know, I, I always find it kind of interesting because, you know, in the big leagues, you always have the dynamic of, like, you got the the rookies and, like, the vets. There's a much bigger age range, and there's not as much of that at the minor league level. But one guy who is, you know, I mean, he's not old. He's a little older than you've been through a lot. Um, definitely fun to see him break out the season guy, uh, Cole Reagans. Um who came back from two Tommy John surgeries before the age of 23. Um, what did you see yeah. from him a little bit this season? Did you pick his brain a little bit and, you know, learn about like how he, you know, came back from adversity or just like, I don't know, respect his, his hair game. Cause uh, he's, he's got some magnificent flow. Yeah. Yeah. So we, me and him actually, so I had long hair. Um, I don't know if you saw any pictures on me, but I had long hair too. I did. So me and him, we kind of got mixed up a little bit. You know, if, if we were standing <laughs> back to back, 
you couldn't really tell people like, hey, Cole. And I'm like, oh, I'm not Cole. But, you know, other people saw his tattoo sleeves. They knew it was Cole. Um, but we got a little mixed up. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, just seeing Cole, how he kind of – I didn't. I never met him before. I went to a Kinston camp in uh, March before the season started just to kind of – they was like, hey, we're going to you know meet some coaches and start throwing and start some stuff early. So I went to that, and that's where I first met him. And, you know, I knew about him. I knew about the two Tommy Johns, and I just was watching him throw one day. And I was like, you could barely tell this dude had Tommy John. He has such a good feel for all of his stuff. And um, and I kind of was just picking him with, hey, man, what you like to do? And he's like, I like, you know, I like to hunt. I mean, you know, he's like Florida. He's a Florida kid, so he does, he's all in that crazy stuff. And so, you know, once the season started, I kind of built a relationship with him. And he's just more on this is his path he's on. It's not like anyone else's. And um, he's accepted it that he's going to have, you know, he had to go down a different path than everybody else and seeing him just be resilient really than anything. Cause he, you know, you're going to struggle your first year back after maybe three, like three years of not really playing baseball. There's going to be struggles. Absolutely. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows and seeing him, how he dealt with his lows um, in the season definitely like helped me out. Like, Hey, you know, I had a bad game and I would see how he kind of, he went about his business and, I'm like, all right, I had a bad game, so, you know, but it's not, you know, it's not as bad as I really think it is, and you just go day by day, and that was the big thing he would he would tell you if he was on right now. He'd tell you he just takes it day by day, and he's thankful for every opportunity that he has, and he's a, he's a great person to be around, a great teammate. Yeah, well, if they needed to confuse you two, just look at which which arm they're throwing with, and that'll that'll sort <laughs> yeah. out. But also, if they yell out Cole, then you know they might get Cole Reagans or Cole Win. You know, you yeah, still got yeah. that with, with the autographs. <laughs> so, it was so funny. They like, Cole, Cole, can I get your autograph? And he's like, which one? They're like, uh, <laughs> both. <laughs> You're both first rounders. We want your autograph. Exactly. You know, uh, when did you decide to to chop off the hair? What went into the decision? You are you thinking about growing it back, or is it staying at a manageable length for now? Um. I think it's staying at a manageable length right now, but I just cut it off. It was kind of the hair was there to kind of, kind of like, hey, give me a little, you know, a little flow from the back, a little mojo, and uh, I was rocking with it. But when when I got home, it was just getting to the point where I didn't trust anybody really cutting it, and it was that it needed to get cut because it was just hair on my head. The back was sweet, but the top and the sides were just <laughs> gnarly looking. So I was like, I think it's time for it to go. I'll go back to the high. Uh, haircut that I had at VMI because that was the only haircut I really knew for three years was a clean <laughs> shave and a high and tight hair so I was like I'll go back to that see what it looks like and if I don't like that I'll grow it back out but I think I'm going to stick with this uh for next year I think you know who knows I may, I may have a mohawk or something cool I don't know <laughs> who knows uh plenty of fun things await for you next year uh, I'm curious what is a typical day in the offseason look like and what is your your plan for the offseason are you going to uh uh, any, you know, Dominican winter league or Venezuelan league or anything like that? Uh, no, no, uh, extra baseball. Um, cause of my innings that I threw, they kind of, without having a year before they wanted to pr- protect myself, pretty much protect me for myself. Cause I told them I wanted to play and they're like, no, like you're not playing. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm just hanging out. Um, a typical day would be Monday through Friday, kind of wake up, uh, you know, get going, go lift weights, go throw, and then just hang out with my family and enjoy being with them. Because um, after Thanksgiving, I'll be out in Arizona at the at our uh, spring training place, training there with a few guys that are staying, um, getting ready for spring training. Um, I felt like if I stayed there, it put me in the best uh, spot leading to the 2022 season. 
um, to hopefully, uh, you know, improve and, uh, you know, make a push for the big leagues. But, you know, I can't, I can't promise anything but hard work for myself. So, you know, that's all I really can do and see what, see what it uh, holds after the off season. So what are your goal? What is something fi- like some specific thing that you're working towards um, that you want to accomplish uh, next year? Um, next year, I, I think I just want to throw over, I, I really want to throw over 120 ends in a season in, in the minor leagues. If you do that in the minor leagues, that sets you really like, you know, you, you, you eat your innings, you don't get touched up. Um, and, you know, just staying healthy. Uh, I just want to improve as a pitcher. Uh, every time I go out, I, I show something new that I didn't show before that the, either the front office or people, you know, other scouts or, you know, whoever's watching, I want them to, when they come see me, they, they see the best of me because um, I have to be able to on my bad days still be good. If I, if I want to be a major league pitcher and be pitching for a long time, you can't have games where you go seven innings and punch out 13 and then the next week you go one inning and you give up seven runs. It's like, how does he go from not getting touched one week to getting shelled? So I think that's one thing I need to work on is just being more consistent. But the people that are there to evaluate me, I just want them to see what everything that I've put forward. And if everything I put forward is what I know I'm capable of doing, that'll set me up in a good in a good spot for next year to either, to either make a push for the big leagues or if not, um, I think next year is my rule five year, I think. So maybe, you know, get protected, but um, really more than anything, um, I'm just really looking forward to, you know, playing again because I had so much fun and I, I didn't have a 2020 season and, I, and it was heartbreaking for me. So I'm just getting ready for that really. Yeah, definitely heartbreaking to, to miss a minor league season. And what is something about you that Rangers fans don't know that you think that they should know? Or just people in general. Um, I would say that the person on the mound and the person that you that you see, I would say, in, in like in a, in a public or the people, the person that you see in the dugout and the person you see on the field are two completely different people. Um, on on the mound, I'm a I'm a crazy person inside, and I, I feel like you know half the time my tongue's hanging out or something like that. It's just me, just in my natural habitat. I'm not gonna show up a a person, but I'm ultra competitive. And like, I have like, I will rip your face off if, if you, if you try to even take a big swing at me. And then on the mountain, I'm goofing around, uh, blowing bubbles and trying to put uh, bubble gum on people's hats and throwing sunflowers at people. So in the dugout, what you see in the person there, it's, it's two completely different people. Um, and I think some people, uh, you know, people, you know, some Ranger fans might want to know that, that you're going to get an ultra competitive person, but also he's going to goof around in the dugout. So I do, t- I do take it very serious once I'm on the mound. That's kind of like the Adrian Beltre or the, the Max Scherzer of like, that's what you love to see in pitching prospects and pitchers in general. The, the best guys yeah. are absolute psychos, absolutely hate hitters when they're on the mound. And then you just, you know, normal chill people when they get off the mound. That is yeah. definitely exciting. And one last very hard hitting question um, before we let you go. Would you rather fight one horse-sized turkey or 10 turkey-sized horses? I, I, I used turkeys. I had to mix up my math um, because you, you said you hunt turkeys, so I figured you might know uh, a little yeah. more about turkeys than me. But uh, one um, one big turkey or a bunch of turkey-sized horses? I think one big turkey, one horse-sized turkey, um, because I think if I get behind it, I'll be able to kill it. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I think I could. I think I could beat the big, the big turkey. 
Yeah, you horses. definitely got some, some horses are huge. So <laughs> I got that. I, I'm I'm almost as I probably got the same front standing size of the horse. It will it would be interesting, but I think I got it for sure. You definitely got more experience it. with 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 fighting the the turkeys, and I I feel like, you know, it's normally I think it's like mouse or some other much smaller and or i think it's duck it's like duck-sized horses or horse-sized ducks and you know a duck-sized horse is much smaller but like a turkey-sized horse like that's still a decent size and they've still got you know the like yeah, hooves I mean, and stuff they got, and... yeah their talons on there uh i mean i think they would if 10 of them came at me they would just rip me apart and yeah, i think I... one of them if i just stayed behind him and, and you know just kept on his backside he can't really get his talons on me <laughs> and uh put it put it in the headlock or something and you know i think i got it <laughs> Go for the gizzard or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. We'll see. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, very much looking forward to seeing what you can do next year. Hopefully, I you will be happy with where I put you in my prospect rankings. If it's not number, I feel like as you know a, a prospect in general, you're like I'm number one no matter what, and that's the mentality you no, gotta I, have. So like, I know I'm hopefully, I won't one. be too disrespectful. <laughs> no, it'll be all right. Hey, if I'm on your list, that's that's I mean that's a blessing in, in itself. So. I well, um, it. it's more important what the Rangers think of you than what um, silly podcasters and prospect writers think of you. And Rangers seem to think a whole heck of a lot of you. And you had a great season and hopefully a great one next year. And hopefully soon enough, we'll be talking about you on the Major League team. But uh, thank you so much for hopefully. your time and uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. It was awesome being on here. I really appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Rangers. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball. 